0: Good afternoon, good morning, good evening and welcome people to episode one of Damn You Football. Uh, it is one of our other extensions that we're doing, uh, the ever-expanding uh, Damn Universe, the Damn You as we've called it. Um, we also have the Ian will be hosting a games podcast uh, with uh, Andrew uh, when his software works. Um, we've also got the Playing It Forward, uh, which will be another episode available shortly. Uh, and obviously, we've got the, the free weekly podcast show. I'm saying free because of the possibility that we might end up um, charging subscription fees for this uh, at some point. But we don't know. But as of now, it is free for your ears. Pleasure. Um, so, yeah, this is my first solo podcast. Uh, so, hello, everybody. Uh, I, for people who are not familiar, I am Dude Foss, a.k.a. Matt Foster, from uh, Dude and Monkey, the Monkey, D. film podcast. In this podcast, when I talk about my other uh, great passion in the world, no, it's not strong pornography, it is actually football. I am a, a huge obsessive um, football fan. Uh, and I've thought about doing a football podcast for a number of, uh, of years, but never really plucked up the courage to do it. So I thought, do you know what? Fuck okay, it, why not? Um, so it'll probably be weekly and once the actual season gets going, and I'll discuss general sort of what's gone on in the week. Uh, probably just in Premier League, but also occasionally across Europe for the big games and things like that. Um, but we are actually in uh, transfer window territory at the moment. We, amazingly, we are, but the transfer window isn't actually open for another 12-14 sort of days. It's currently the 18th of June. transfer window isn't actually open until the 1st of July. Uh, but a few teams have actually got uh, already got some things uh, deals over the line, and obviously people start getting prepared as... Uh, we Get closer and closer and closer uh, to the actual window, it's uh, opening itself um, because pre season trainings usually go back for most teams on sort of the first or second of um, July, anyway. So, in this first episode, what we're actually going to look at is uh, the transfer into the top six. So, we're going to look at aspirations of what they're going to look to get, what they might actually need, and who's probably gonna leave. Uh we'll discuss the astronomical fees that are actually currently uh, being banded about. Um uh, football's kinda of gone crazy uh, at the moment. a player who might have cost you twenty million uh last season, uh the equivalent kind of player now this season, you're looking at paying sort of thirty to thirty five million. Um and you could also obviously say with the the top six of the Premier League with the way it is at the moment, um you've got five or six clubs there who are very reasonably looking to mount a very serious sort of title challenge. There's five uh, English clubs in the Champions League next season uh, with obviously the usual top four and then Manchester United getting an extra place uh, via the Europa League. Uh, so it does mean that it is going to be much more of a um, interesting season in terms of uh, how teams are approaching the title. There's Chelsea obviously will be back around, Man City will be wanting to improve on what was a... Disappointing season. Uh, Tottenham not going anywhere. It would seem. Uh, Liverpool onwards and upwards from last season, and then obviously Arsenal wants to be trying to prove that they're not the team in decline that they're seeming to be. And um, Manchester United. Manchester United. You can never rule out Manchester United. Uh, you, you know, one thing Mourinho does he wins he wins trophies. Uh, he might not play the most interesting football doing it, but. You can't argue with the guy's uh, results record, so it's going to be interesting season. So I'm going to run through it. Uh, is in standard order uh, of top six. So starting with who finished first last season. Well, which was Chelsea, and then running through to obviously who finished um, sixth last season, which was Everton. No, it wasn't Everton. <laughs> I welcome those. They it's seventh. Uh, it was actually Manchester United finished uh, sixth last year. Um, so. We'll cover those. I might even mention some other bits because there is some interesting stuff going on with them there. So it might even form into a top seven. Uh, but we'll start at the very, very top uh, with Chelsea. Uh, they, you can't recall Chelsea's surprise package. They had a terrible season uh, in the 14-15. Um, sorry, sorry, in the 15-16 uh, season. Mourinho's um, departure and finishing. I think it was 10th they finished. Uh, and it seemed like, Sort of the wheels have fallen off a little bit. Uh, Antonio Conte came in. He's got very such strict methods uh, and a very set out way he wants to play. Uh, he requires a lot of discipline, a lot of tactical discipline, um, and he makes teams very difficult to beat. I think last season it, it was they were unfairly, I think, uh, criticised by some, but not many. Have uh, been sort of too defensive uh, and constantly looking <coughs> to sort of not get beat rather than to win. Uh, I thought it was. Crazy with the fact that they went on a fourteen-game winning streak, which essentially won them the title. You know, if you go fourteen games without not winning, without losing, um, if you go fourteen games where you win each individual game, you've picked up almost half the amount of points in a third of the in what, the third of the season uh, that you would need to finish uh, in the top four. So that did help them, um, but that's that's how the game works. You know, they they had a very good run and they took a big advantage of it. Um, contest, which is the back three that um, after, well enough, actually after a defeat to uh, Liverpool, um, and then from there on, you know, I think they lost to Arsenal and stuff like that. They went from strength to strength, um, building on a core of fourteen to fifteen players, a uh, strong defence, and utilising their better players up front um, <clears throat> with Costa in very good form between. You'd say November and and sort of January, and then he faded off once he had the you know protracted contract talks with various clubs in China that didn't quite quite work out, and he never seemed to quite find it. But then once he kind of steadied a little bit, um, Hazard came uh, back into the fray, and he was very much pushing for you sure. know. Player of the Year territory. Um, He's a fantastic player. I personally think that Hazard is is, is mildly overrated in the way that some people would say that he's he's in that that, that small group of players just below uh, Messi and Ronaldo. I I don't think he's quite that good. I think his figures would need to improve significantly for him to get anywhere near the uh, Suarez, Ibrahimovic, Neymar kind of bracket. But, let's be honest, he's still one of the better players in the Premier League. Um, So, Chelsea, the key there is, and I'm going to look through it, is what what it looks like they'll need uh, and what they'll actually want um, so the big talk so far with with Chelsea's Conte saying that he actually he doesn't well no longer wants um, Diego Costa at the club uh, which apparently was sent by a text which is very strange but in modern football there's nothing really that will surprise you that much and um, it's it would seem strange but then again this is a a player who was Itching for a big money move in in January, so it seems like Conte knew that he needed him to actually win the title. And didn't want to spend money in January to replace him, but then as soon as it's finished, I think he's it's the uh, elephant's never forget syndrome uh, with with Conte, and he's decided, you know what? No, I don't. I don't need that. It could have destabilized the the amazing run the title pushed they were wrong. Um, so he's decided he's gone. I think. Chelsea have long adapted this um, this policy of having an awful lot of players out on loan. Um, that will continue, they'll continue to do that. Uh, but a few of them might end up going. I think Thomas Callas is looking to, to go. Tommy Abraham going to go out on loan again. Um, Michael Van Ginkel will look to, to move as well will think. Remy's out of contract, I believe, or he'll look to move on. Um, so You'll have a few sort of players to leave there, but with no Champions League, fo- um, sorry, with no European football last season for Chelsea, they they kind of did utilize quite a small squad. Um, so you can't see anybody going. You know, you had John Terry's departure. Is Big hole, Is Gary Cahill the one to fill that? when he's been made club captain, but you doubt he doesn't seem to have the, the stature uh, within the game or in that dressing room really um, to, to to replace Terry. But then again. Kante was at Chelsea for nearly twenty two years and won pretty much everything there. So it is it, going to, um, it's always going to be so sort of difficult to replace that. You know, you don't look for a, a direct replacement; you look to adapt to different ways. Um, in terms of for, for moving, I think last season Kante was an incredible signing for for Chelsea. Um, he created that barrier um, between defence and attack. But he's, he's, he is so much more than a midfield; just a defensive midfield player. He, He's the he's a link of breaking things up and then he plays the pass to the person who plays the, the pass. Um, so he's the the third ball, you'll say, Um a, a position which, uh, for instance, Xavi Alonso made a career out of. You know, he had the ball and he necessarily didn't play, made the assist, but he played the pass before the assist a lot of the time. Uh, Mitri Batshuayi, uh came in, he's got the title winning goal, uh, but didn't do much else. Um Possibility he could leave, but then if you're looking at getting rid of Mitu uh, Bashwai and Diego Costa, there you're having to bring in two forwards, which leads us to who Chelsea, actually, yes Chelsea are looking at. Uh, I mean, they signed um, Romelu Lukaku in uh, 2011, I think, for for near 17 million when you include all the add-ons and everything, uh, and then proceeded to to not really use him, logged him out to West Brom and then to Everton, and then subsequently Everton actually. Uh, purchased him for £26 million, I think it was or £28 million. Um and he's gone from, from strength to strength um, very confident by uh, but also as well his numbers speak pretty clearly at you far know, for um, for Everton he's uh, in three seasons he's you know more than a goalie in every two games uh, and that's for an Everton side who let's be honest they're not they're not in the upper echelons uh, there. You know they're around the about in the top sort of eight, but he's not playing for a fancy Barcelona or a, a Bayern Munich or anything like that. So for him to finish the season thirty-seven Premier League games, twenty-five goals, it uh, is very impressive. Uh, I think last season thirty-seven and eighteen. You know, season 36 that 10, not fantastic. But um, one thing it does show in, in the past. Uh, four or five seasons I think it's five seasons now in the, in the Premier League four since he went out on loads to West Brom 2012-2013 uh, he's missed just uh, uh, seven I think he's missed 14 games 14 games in five seasons to miss that is is is, is quite an impressive feat to be honest when you compare him to somebody like let's say Aguero, uh, or Daniel Sturridge, who you know can quite easily miss fourteen games in an actual Premier season themselves. And one thing you are getting with Romelu Lukaku is, is consistency, and of course he's still young, so and he's improving. Um, Twenty goals overall in all competitions, 2014, 2015, uh, twenty-five goals in all competitions, 2015, 2016, twenty-six goals in all competitions, 2016, 2017. So. It, they're going up in you know small increments, but they're certainly going up. He will cost them. Um, Chelsea now uh, will have to break their own um, substantial record, uh, fifty million. for know Torres to actually to actually get uh, Romelu Lukaku. Um, Everton won't be uh, looking to let him leave lightly. Uh, Everton have also you know they've they've spent money so far. John Pickford going for nearly thirty million for a young goalkeeper, and uh, Kassam going for. Yeah, 24 million there, you know. Everton spent over 50 million already, which is you know crazy for a club that you know used to be the butt of a lot of jokes um, about their, their lack of spending power and their reticence to actually spend money. Uh, they're throwing it around quite liberally, which a lot of Premier League clubs will do. The amount of money that is running through uh, this league now is incredible, uh, but it, it does uh, smack a little bit of they have an idea that Lukaku is going to go he's been making a lot of noises here. he's been making a lot of noises that he wants to leave so not wants to leave as such but wants to move on to further his career um, elsewhere you know he, probably Lukaku wants to be he wants to win World Football of the Year uh, and it doesn't happen at Everton, unfortunately uh, no offence to uh, Everton but it, it doesn't it doesn't happen at most clubs um, so he'll want to, to move on there um, Chelsea have the added uh, bonus of it being uh, them needing a striker. Uh, there's also the thing of, it been in London. Players do like living in London. Uh, he's used to London. He's probably still at home in London. He's also been at Chelsea. Will he want to go back? Does he feel like he needs to prove himself? Um, but then there's a bit of do Chelsea want to throw? £80 at one player. Uh, its a lot of money in Chelsea over the recent years have have, have shown uh, more restraint than they did in the early years of Abramovich. So who knows with that, but it's certainly one they'll be looking at. um, There are a couple of other clubs on which we'll discuss later on uh, who are also looking at um, over Lukaku. Another name being linked quite heavily and apparently is virtually a done deal is Tamari Bakayoku, the... A defensive midfielder for AS Monaco. Um, Monaco had a fantastic season last season. They had a great balance with uh, youth players, um, and it seems like a lot of their most prized assets have been picked off by by Premier League clubs. Um, you know, you've got Silvers joining Man City. Uh, everybody's trying to sign Mbappe uh, and Mendy as well, the the left back. Um, but Bakyoka, um, it, it does seem like he is uh, very much sort of Chelsea. Chelsea bound uh, already. That seemed like it was a done deal uh, quite a while ago. Uh, it seemed like th- that they'd already kind of set the, the nail down um, in that deal uh, a number of sort of months ago. Uh, it never seemed like anyone else was really going to try and try and push for that because it, it did seem like Chelsea have gotten that. I think the be purported to be um, I think around sort of near forty million, forty million, So... Um, so yeah, so that's that's looking like it's gonna be a good player. Uh, big strong guy. Um he, it looks like he could be the, the replacement for uh, Nemanja Matic there. Um uh, Matic you know, he's he's not it's not such like he's getting uh, he's an old player or anything like that. He's still in 28, so he's still in his prime, but has not quite had the same impact that he, he had um when he first came back um, to Chelsea where he looked like one of the best uh, players in his position uh in the league. Uh, he's kind of been usurped a little bit by Kante and it's it's not the, uh, that Matic's ability has, declined, uh, has abilities declined or anything like that. I think it's a different way that Conte plays. Conte players are very much a quite like a high line with his defence, and he wants it to break quite quickly. And Matic's a little bit more sedate, and that he's a little bit more steady. Um, yeah, Matic would be an ideal signing for for a Mourinho team, for instance. You know, and you, you could see uh, certainly see. Uh, when i we look at it later on that uh, Mourinho could go back in for Matic and bring him uh, up to uh, United um, because he, he certainly has more of that uh, steadiness that, that, that Mourinho likes. Um, other players that I think Chelsea have, have been linked to at the moment uh Leonardo Bonucci, uh, 30-year-old Juventus defender, um, spent the past seven or eight years at Juventus and won pretty much everything you can win with them. He's we worked with Conte before, uh, both for Juventus and uh, at international level. Uh, Landon Buren, which is a fantastic defender. Um, he's also, well, he, he's, he's been used to playing in um, the, the, defense, the 3 pronged defence, the 3-5-2, three, or however it is, the, the different teams play it. Um, very good um, passer of the ball, brings the ball out quite nicely. Um, couldn't play you uh, can play it in the centre of a back three, or you can play it to the towards the the right of the back three. Uh, so it, it, there it is, where you'd see him sort of fitting into that. I think Chelsea have definitely certainly got the middle of their back three, sort of with David Luiz, who's a very strong, sort of powerful and uh, very confident and aggressive. Um, player, both in his aggressive nature that he approached it, but in his his ability to say, right, this is it, this is my defence. So, plenty which you could certainly see there. Another defender they're looking at is uh, Calido Koulibaly, um, the Senegalese player for Napoli Napoli at the moment, but it's quite a a number of clubs. Again, very physical player, a very offensive uh, defender. Um, Loves to come out and attack the ball to a little bit of detriment um, some people state that he's a little bit hot-headed he tries to win too much uh, few injury problems but nothing too nothing too serious uh, that you'd see stopping him from progressing but a little bit of I'd say tactical immaturity um, but then again he has been playing in uh, the, in, in Italy which is of course you know, tactics and defensive tactics especially you know people thrive there less so Napoli though they're more of a uh, Napoli are a team that kind of break the mould, I suppose, uh, within Italy of how they approach the game and they're a little bit more, a little bit less um, Italian-centric in terms of the, the, the tactics they approach. They've always seen themselves as a little bit outside of of, of that. Other players that they're, they're looking at, you know, you've got Conte, he's looking quite heavily um, at the Italian market. It's a market he knows and also it's players that he knows. And so he has a lot of contacts within that. You, you saw the same thing as when they're to Arsenal and search for a lot of French players and you know, now we've got the same thing at Liverpool, Klopp's looking for a lot of German players. So that tends to happen. It's just how these just these know and where they know. So we look at um, Domenico Baradi from Sassuola, very quick winner, can play uh, as any kind of central forward, could occupy the three positions. Uh, very similar in stylings from what I've seen. I've not seen that much of him uh, in stylings to, to Griezmann uh, in the way that he can play he moves out to the wings and uses uh, his trickery and uh, his agility um, to overcompensate for the fact that he's slighter in build and you know he's not a physical player, he's never going to be as physical as somebody, um, like Zlatan for instance, uh, He's not have that physicality but he certainly um, has the agility, uh, the speed and the awareness um, of players like Griezmann or, um, or Robin I think he's been compared to as well, so... We'll see you there, and the final one that I'm going to cover for for Chelsea at the moment is they're also looking at Andrea Belotti, the breakout star of uh, Saya last season, uh, plays currently um, for um, Torino, uh, the team. uh I don't speak exactly the feeling that right as a <laughs> one loan, uh, 26 goals in uh, in Serie A this season. Um, I usually, you know, that's a that's a very high number of goals. Um, again so i'm not usually big scoring um at league there um in terms of for how many goals the leading scorer ends up on twenty three years old uh again he's, he's he's arrived out of nowhere really um very good in the air um also he's both left and right footed um he's not, not the quickest but has a great burst of um Acceleration in terms of the fact that you know he's not as quick over let's say 20 or 30 yards uh, as um, as wingers would be, as something like a Robin or a uh, Mo Salah or anything like that, but he's very quick over the sort of six to eight yards, uh, which is a a better um, speed and a better um, state of purpose for acceleration for strikers because they need to get nimbly in um, ahead of defenders. You know, there's no point in having a, uh, a striker who. It's, it's fantastically quick over um, 40 yards, but it takes him 20 yards to get going. Strikers don't work within that little ream of, um, of movement. They work in little pockets of uh, anything from 4 to, to, to sort of 10 as a maximum yards. So, uh, it's why players, a lot of times, defenders, you wouldn't think they were quick. Uh, and you would say that some defenders are quick, but defenders are often very quick over that uh, period between starting getting into to four yards, which doesn't seem like a lot, but we're talking about, you know, microseconds in football. It's that it, it's a lot of time, it's, it's speed of thought, it's speed of right, well I need to move that way that quickly and it's the agility of, of working that way and getting it right. It's why sometimes defenders or strikers can go completely the wrong way. It's because sometimes they just they just go for the wrong side. And also like a lot of Italian strikers, um Mario Balotelli, uh <laughs> aside, uh, strong work ethic, uh, strong work rate. That's what you always get with Italians. They're all Italian players. They're always strong, physically imposing. Um, they do produce fantastic footballs. It's why for years Italy have been. uh want to be the best and the most. I suppose no one ever surprised by how good it Italy are. Um, you know, even as re- more recently as the European Championships, everyone thought it was going to be the worst Italy team that we'd seen in decades and then they came out and had well, everybody with a panache and a, just a guile uh, that is inherently uh, there with with Italian players and Italian teams um, other sort of possible uh, departures I suppose, which could have a knock-on effect, because that's how the transfer tend to work, is you have the domino effect uh, you'd say there would be uh, Sergio Gas, um, possibility of him leaving, uh, will talk that he's uh, unhappy with his limited time. And Madrid are often uh, looking at Thibaut Courtois. Personally, I think that's more of Thibaut Courtois' agents are wanting to kind of jump up the, the fee, etc., um, and get him a new contract. So, yeah, we'll move on next to Tottenham and have a look at their aspirations, who they'll be looking at, and who they'll be looking to keep. So, yeah, Tottenham, uh, one of not a surprise last season. They no were fantastic, but definitely one of the most entertaining teams to watch in the Premier League at the moment. Their ability to attack at pace and to use the uh, the trickery of players like Christian Eriksen and Dialli uh, to complement the the sheer work rate and um, effectiveness of someone like Harry Kane, who has come from being a, almost like a fear of ridicule from from some um, detractors to being just genuinely one of the the best uh, out-and-out strikers, <laughs> I'd be hard pushed to say, it, in world football. Um, he's, for me, he's, he's very reminiscent of, of Alan Shearer in a sense that uh, often strikers, they have to have something, they have to have a certain thing. So, uh, if, you know, for instance, you have France Torres, for instance, was incredibly quick. Um, often you, you have... I Physicality, or there's something, an attribute that stands you out above most. Um, <laughs> now, Kane isn't the quickest player. Uh, he's also, you know, he's a strong player, but he's not the most physical. He's not, uh, for instance, he's not as quick as an Abamyang, for instance, and he's not as physical as a Lukaku, for instance. But he's quick enough. He's powerful enough. He's very much an all-round player in a similar mode. And like I said uh, a minute ago, to to an Alan Shearer, in the sense that because he's never had lightning pace to get himself out of trouble or to get himself ahead, um, or had that or the physicality that the had to get ahead there, he's had to hone every single skill and had to really work at becoming the player he is. And that's why he's he's able to master. You know, his finishing is incredible, and he's, he's able to kind of still that kind of wind of a striker that we thought was gone, and you know the the idea of oh, well, you, you know one thing you've got to have is pace to be a striker, and he's he's proved that you actually you don't, you know, I don't know, he's not he's, he's not a slouch, but he doesn't have a blistering that pace. But you know, previous three seasons uh, has been incredible. Um, all competitions: fifty-one games, thirty-one goals. 2014, 2015, 2015, 2016, 50 appearances, twenty-eight goals. Last season, injury plagued kind of, you know, missed a few games, 38 games, but 35 goals, 30 games in the Premier League, 29 goals, uh, Helped by, you know, a seven-goal haul, I think, in the last two games of the season. Doesn't matter. Still got 29 goals. Doesn't matter when you get them, whether or not you get them. The last two games of the season, or the first two games of the season, you know, you still had a, an incredible season. Uh, I can't see Spurs doing that much business, personally. They're not making a lot of noises. I think theirs is going to be... To try to keep all the players. Um I can't see him letting anyone go that they don't want to go, they don't need to, they don't need the money. And so Kyle Walker apparently it looks like he could be going. Um club's interested Chelsea looking at it but Man City looks to be a preferred destination. Uh talk about Danny Rose leaving, but I just I think that I don't think they get rid of both, but they've they've already got built in replacements. I think they're gonna to look to use, you know, Ben Davis, um Debbie Sesfer, um Danny Rose last season while he was out injured and Kieran Trippier has proved an adequate um, replacement for Kyle Walker. So I don't envision uh, Tottenham probably going out and spending, if they get £40 million for Kyle Walker, which is perfectly understandable that they might. I can't see them going out and spending £30 million out of £30 million out on a replacement for Kyle Walker. You could see Bochettino looking at giving Kieran Trippier that that um, that chance to, to fill that void. Um, Mr Circle will probably go a bit of a strange but and never understood that you know he it it's it seemed like he wanted a bigger club and that's not a criticism of Tottenham it's a criticism of, of Musa Sissoko himself uh in the sense that he got to a a fantastic club in in Tottenham and a club very much on the up um but he seemed to he seemed to think that he should be at one of the elite level clubs but he doesn't want to put in the effort to to get to one of the elite level clubs. Uh, so it ain't, ain't going to happen. I could see him ending back up at someone like PSG or possibly on Monaco and, and, and thinking that he's he's upgraded. Uh, well, actually, what he's done is he's, he's, he's that. certainly. Uh, Tottenham strong goalkeeper, fantastic defence, Toby the Alderweireld and uh, Jan Vertonghen, in an argument, I would say, to, to claim that he's probably one of the strongest um, centre-back pairings, not in the Premier League, but in world football at the moment. Uh, they're a fantastic, entertaining t- um, team. Um, they're looking at, I think, sort of upgrading in the midfield or not upgrading as such, but more kind of um, padding that midfield out and bringing a little bit of extra um, numbers in there and solidity in there. Matteo uh, Kovacic, they're looking at him or they're looking at uh, Leon Gretzka, um from Schalke. So there's possibilities that we might see one of them come in, but they, they will be not as such coming in as definite starters, but more, right, I think in for... Somewhere between twenty-five and thirty-five million, probably, which is you know like I say, standard. You know, they played thirty million last season. This is Musa Soko, one of these players, would be a slight wonder equivalent of that because Soko's value was pushed up by the fact that he had a couple of very good games. The Euros he shouldn't have um, detracted away from the fact that he was less than adequate for a relegated Newcastle the season before. So we taught them not, not much we really to go through. They're a, they're a steady club at the moment, which is fantastic for them. You know, they had transfer windows and Tottenham used to be a little bit crazy when you had uh, the actual spiritual owner of the actual transfer window Harry uh, Redknapp there and we all know that he likes to likes to flex his deal muscle a little bit but I just yeah, I think that they're with Pochettino he, he likes to keep things a little bit more close to his chest and he prefers to, to just get on and do things and I think if they do do business it'll be steady business I just can't see Tottenham going out and throwing 50-60 million at players it just doesn't seem like like the style of the club, to be honest. Um, again, not criticism, just more an observation. Uh, so from there, we'll move on to Man City and see what they're looking at bringing in and who they're looking at buying for next season. They're already done some business so far. So one thing we know about Man City is that they will they'll spend an in, a, a incredible amount of money uh, this this season. there. owners are not scared are not scared to, to throw around cash to spend their two hundred million. Um, last year and it's, it's likely they'll spend at least that but possibly even more this year you know they've already spent on um, Bernardo Silva bringing him in um, for you know, £43 million. um uh, that's an additional um, payment right? you know, but, but that could apparently rise with add-ons the performance related add-ons that he should achieve for the player of his ability and his quality um, to near sort of, £63 million, I think, that they're looking at. Um, so, it, an incredible amount of money. Uh, very such a tricky player. He's seen, weirdly, as, 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 a, as a long-term replacement for um, David Silva at uh, Man City. Very similar player. Great passing ability, uh, but long passing, and his short passing is fantastic as well. Uh, a part of that Monaco team that was so innovative and so fantastic to watch last season. Uh, I think he finished the season with, with nine assists um, and um, he, he, he was a bit of a revelation last season in terms of that. He are still chipping with goals, um, not that many, but you know, eight. I think in your last season. You should be looking at a player of his, you know, attacking midfielder. If you want to be chipping eight minimum, uh, sort of, but you really want to be hitting the twelve goal mark every year. You know, it's it's, the, it's that number ten role. You number ten should be getting you around top sort of twelve to fourteen goals a season uh, and chipping in with that. Uh, he's going to be a a very strong player next season. Uh, They've also brought in Edison Morales, the uh, Benfica goalkeeper um, where they've paid an astronomical, you know, £35 for him. It's it's an incredible amount of money but he's a strong goalkeeper. Um, Yeah, a more orthodox goalkeeper than uh, and you've got at the moment with uh, Claudio Bravo there who just didn't work. He didn't suit the, I think it's unfairly treated. I think he just didn't. His his play didn't suit Premier League and uh, the speed of it, you know, you, you get more time playing for, for Barcelona teams, don't put that pressure on, but I think it, it, so much was made of the fact that Joe Hart was going out and blank and Claudio Bravo so he was coming in uh, and what he was there to do and that he was there to kind of play as almost like the, the sweeper-keeper role and, um, you know, something that people claim Quite all well are invented when actually in reality keepers have been doing it for years. Uh, Edison, very good on the ball. Um, uh, most keepers are pretty good to the ball. Most modern keepers, you know, all most players are outfield out, out players. Um, I'm on Neuer, I think, actually has it in his current contract to buy Munich that he's got to play a game before his contract runs out. Um, as an outfield player at some point, an actual proper game. Uh, and I know that when. Uh, Peperino was at Liverpool he played uh, outfield and a friendly one I think he played on the right wing and was was perfectly fine um, so yeah the, 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 that will it'll be interesting to see how that works you know he's a young keeper 23 um, the general sort of consensus about keepers used to be that they didn't become um, sort of oh, Worthy or ready for big clubs until they were in their late 20s, uh, even towards the early 30s. You know, Edwin Massa is a prime example for that. and Johnny Manchester at 35, I think, and go down to be one of their, I mentioned that one of their best ever keepers, you know, and that's a very, that's a very, <laughs> very exclusive club to be in, certainly at that club. Um, but it, it'll be remain to see how we'll, it'll go with the, the physicality uh, of it. That's always the thing when new keepers come in, it's not just something that you say, they, they, there is an element of it's not that the Premier League is more physical we think it is but it's actually not more physical than a lot of leagues it's not more physical than the German League it's not more physical than the, the, the Spanish League at the time it's that um, there's a difference in tolerance of the physicality in, in the Premier League certainly referees they do they do officiate differently in the Premier League than you would say um, European officials do and that's it's it, it's created this false narrative that the Premier League is you know one plays around in the Premier League it's oh, will they get used to the physicality it's not will they get used to the physicality of it it's more will they get used to not getting free kicks where they would have elsewhere got free kicks they're not scared of it it's just a foul in the Premier League often a foul in the Spanish League the Portuguese League uh, wouldn't be A foul in the the Premier League Uh, or um, the uh, Turkish Super League. The Turkish Super League is another very physical league. Um, It's not just us that have the the monopoly on on physicality in our leagues. Um, So there's the two sides they've made. Already, um, they'll also be looking at bringing Carl Walker in. It's uh, very sort strongly rumoured there, forty million for him. It's um, known that Pep Guardiola wants to bring Alexis Sanchez. Didn't have the best of times under Pep Guardiola at Barcelona, but Pep Guardiola was a big fan of in Barcelona. It's just the positions that he occupied were either on that left hand side, and at the time you had um, you, Thierry Henry was there, at, um, Neymar. Um, or the right hand side, which is where Alex Sanchez at the time enjoyed playing. Uh of course you went Messi, so it was a little bit difficult. It, it, Alex Sanchez was kinda of like the right player at the wrong time, I suppose, at Barcelona. Uh, Bid's also looking like uh Nelson, uh the the right back for Benfica. Possibility I they need a right back, um letters has gone. Um looking like he's going to West Ham, which is insane, he should go Better club than West Ham, a more organised club. James Rodriguez, uh Madrid is shuffling around track at the best price from everywhere. He he's a player I think has a lot of talent, but I just he's never quite stood up to where people sort of thought he was. A few fantastic goals in 2010 World Cup through 2014 World Cup, but never really. I think it gave a false narrative on how good he actually probably was. Uh, they're also looking at Antonio Rudiger from Roma, Bellotti, who we spoke about earlier, for Chelsea. They're also looking there. Uh, Ryan Bertrand's been rumoured uh, as a possible uh, looking for that. What it will say is uh, you could see uh, they've already spent like, nearly 100 million uh, already. Uh, they'll spend another 40 on, on Kyle Walker. Uh, they'll bring in Possibly another two or three players. You know, if if Arsenal if they can, think they can get Alexis Sanchez, they'll definitely spend sixty million on him. So yeah, they're a team that's going to go there. But it's it's not about I think buying players with with Man City. It's whether or not it works, um, Guardiola is yet to find that kind of balance between his styles uh, and how it goes. And, it's a new tack um, for him, the essential of, of building a squad. He didn't really build a squad at Barcelona or inherited any a, he added to a squad uh, by Munich. He inherited one of the best squads in world football and added to it and successfully added to it. But at Man City, what he seems to be doing is treating it as this is his, this is his project to build an entire team in his image. Um, so, you know, he's brought in people like John Stones. There was rumours that he was looking at Virgil van Dijk who will talk about in regards to Liverpool earlier. But, uh, I can't see him going back in for Virgil Van Dijk once it became known that Van Dijk preferred a move to Liverpool. You just can't see them then going, well, we'll, we'll pay a second fiddle we'll go for that. Uh, they'll buy a sense about this season. They need to buy a sense about this uh, for this season. Um, Koulibaly, they're also looking at him as well, but I have a feeling he could go. Um, I think got to got Bill Bauer, Eric Laporte, is where I could see him looking to go. Um, I Eric mean, Laporte's a very steady head, um, very good on the ball, uh, calm. He's very good in the air, like you know, a twenty-three year old French defender, but you know, he looks like he could be playing the game for 10, 15 years. So that should be I could see them going for some like Laporte. Uh, it's the, the departures a lot of players are out of contract will he uh, looking like going to possibly Chelsea or maybe Newcastle. Uh, Wilfred Boney's come back, will he go back out on loan? Highly likely Fabian Delph needs to find a new club, uh, went there essentially as a glory money hunt really it was silly he kind of he started his career uh, from there uh, Gabriel Hayes will be a fantastic player next season and um, Keisha is also out of contract so he's leaving uh, and also uh, Hayes Navas I'm surprised nobody's actually looked to, to sort of pick him up um, Eloquim Malangala is coming back it would seem will he go back out probably the same Sammy Nazri the cat get rid of him and of course where's, where's Joe Hart going to end up who wants to pay 25 30 million for a player that they know is very much unwanted at Man City so Man City will spend a lot of money they will probably recruit nowhere near as much money as they thought they were going to recruit uh, so you'll see players going out on loan they've never quite got the handle of the uh, of the transfer market in terms of balancing money um, like for instance Chelsea have over the years but they've got so much money that it, just, it just doesn't matter um, so We'll move on now uh, and talk about my uh, club, uh, Liverpool, and look at what they're going to look to bring in and they're going to look to ship out as well. So Liverpool, wow, um, my club, uh, huge Liverpool fan. Um, and just to explain like, for any new listeners, I, all I of the football podcast, the film podcast that I do with my wonderful girls, Ian and Uh I, I don't believe in the partisan nature of football. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a football fan who celebrates other teams getting beat or anything like that don't give a shit about whether I'm on my team win or not and the rest of it I just enjoy it um, so although I'm a local fan I'm not a local fan who has any kind of deep disdain for any other club really I don't I frankly don't care I just you know, enjoy my club um, we had a very good season last season um, I think had it been the reserve, reverse around the end of that two month period between so January and February it would have been an amazing season um, but we, we did um, but we still the aim at the start of the season was to was to get back in that top five I mean, once for the past seven years and we achieved that. Um yeah, we did the last day of the season, we made it hard for ourselves, but that's kind of what we do. Um, it, it was unfortunate that the title push kind of fizzled out in, in January, February. But we were never built for a title push. You know, we didn't yes, we didn't have European football, but we didn't have a squad that was that was strong enough to do it. Yeah, we had a negative uh well, sorry, a plus. Uh, net transfer spend last season, um, I think we made near seven million. You know, yeah, we spent a lot of money, but we've grouped a lot of it back. You know, you've got to sell players to to do that. So if you're selling five players and bringing in five players, you're still only left with the same amount of players, aren't you? Uh, but Jimmy Wilder was a fantastic signing for us. Uh, Roberto Firmino adapted fantastically. I think last season, Sadio Mane was an absolute revelation for how good he was. I think the Bull fans expected a, a good player and were surprised at how good he was. Um, Joel Matip. Looks fantastic. needs fitness issues, I think, certainly there, but he still looks like a steady, uh, very steady player who, ball-playing defender, ball-playing defender is very vogue at the moment, but there's a reason for that. It's because um, of the high line defences player. Um, what is carrying thinking got a difficult first season? I think breaking his hand in pre-season training didn't exactly help uh, matters. It, it gave him uh, a wrong shot starting Foot Mignolet started instead of uh, Karras I think Carries was brought in to be the number one keeper but Mignolet started instead And um, the issue with that was Mignolet was playing badly uh, when he was um, dropped and obviously Carries came in but then Carries had to kind of adapt uh, whilst also getting used to a new league and he's I don't think there's a physicality issue I think there I think he's quite a physical player but there was a concentration element of he wasn't starting having right well I've them one. and them won and he he essentially been brought in but I had not made a clang or anything like that a few mistakes but I still think that, that the long term um, plan will be to get Lawrence carries in as an Liverpool starting keeper Uh other big bits of business to do. I think for Liverpool before we start talking about transfers are um, tying down Emre Can. Uh, a stuttering sort of start to last season. I think he he didn't come back from the work from the Euros quite fit enough, and it took him a bit of a while to get going. Um, but once he did, you, you saw the the unbelievable talent the man has. You know he's twenty four years, twenty three, twenty four years old, but he, he looks like a player twenty six uh, in terms of his physicality uh, that he's got, but he's also fantastic on the ball. Uh, he, he He's one of the few players, I think, a few midfield players in the Premier League uh, who looks like there's the ability to sort of take a game by the scruff of the neck uh, and run a game. A criticism which has been fairly, I think, um, last season, although I don't think it had a bad season, I should cover that now. Uh, it's a criticism that has been levelled at, at Paul Pogba in terms of he doesn't look like at the moment. He has that thing to grab a game and take it and go, no, this is my game. Uh, Emery Chan, from what I watch from I him, and I watch a lot of him, he certainly does have that. And he has done it for Liverpool a number of times. Um, but he also has the ability to have a, a 4 out of 10 game just as often as he will a 10 out of 10 game. So there's that there. Uh, out for Liverpool, Dennis is still a possibility uh, that he might leave. Mamadou Sarko will be leaving uh, with, with absolute... Uh, but also, there's a few sort of loan players that came back, as I mark, which will go. And Liverpool will be looking at a recruit something like 15-20 million for him. And Kev Stewart will probably go. You know, he's twenty five years old; hasn't made it yet. It, it just isn't going to happen. Very solid player. Something like Brighton, um, you could see by him, or Huddersfield getting that. You've got a very solid, dependable player. Um, he's he, Kimmy shoots one of those players who his passing um, of over four to six yards is incredible. Um, he, he will retain the ball, but. Essentially, he's a little bit like a Joel Light, and we got rid of Joel last season, so why did he get a catch you? I don't know. John Flanagan again, it's just not going to work for him. He'll probably go, uh, I would think. there uh, Other sort of possible exits, uh, be sad to see, but it doesn't like uh, Lucas Levy's 10 year. Still at Liverpool, they've come into an end. Very popular character in the dressing room. Very popular character with Liverpool fans. Uh, I've always had a lot of time for, for Lucas. I'm not one of the new uh, people to jump on, his, on the band, Lucas bound. I've always had a lot of time for, for Lucas Lever. Um In terms of bringing people in, the big one with Virgil van Dijk, um, which of course, uh, anyone who follows football will know, but Liverpool kind of their, their wrists slapped a little bit uh, in that for the perceived tapping up. It's um, a strange one, that, because of up happens. It's something that all clubs do. Uh, it's something that that is almost accepted, but at the end of the day, it is actually against the rules, and it, it pissed somebody off at Southampton, and they chose to quite rightly um, voice their concerns to the the Premier League. Uh, that these things happen. Uh, I think Liverpool dealing with it. You know, if the green turns of the play and the player wants to join you, then put a bid in it's as simple as that you know that's what they should have done I think Southampton's issues were that it was it was leaked and it very much came out that Van Dyke wanted to join Liverpool and that was his preferred destination and what Southampton really wanted was they wanted some kind of bidding war between Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool and so to push the price up from the 45-50 million that was being talked about to push it up towards the 65-70 million once it comes out that he wants to go to Liverpool and he's preferred that over Chelsea and Man City. That straight away their interest is gone. So essentially, you've gone from having a bidding war to one club saying, All right, 50 million then, split putting the complaint in. I still think that Virgil van Dijk will join Liverpool, but I think Liverpool have to pay a premium uh, extra for him. So I think you'll be looking at. They'll save face between the both clubs. Um, so you'll probably be looking at. report it as being signed for 70 million. Um, it'll be an undisclosed fee and Liverpool will probably pay £63 million, something like that for him uh, other players Liverpool are looking at Alex Otson-Chamberlain uh, I like Alex chamberlain I think he's a very good player from Arsenal uh, he, he become frustrated by his lack of um, lack of position there I don't think it's more his lack of games it's, it's the lack of being trusted in his preferred uh, position which is central midfield or a central midfield with an emphasis on going forward there, so he's looking at a leave. Uh, only a year left on his contract, so the, the 35 40 million that Arsenal are talking about is, is frankly crazy. Um, you should be looking at getting him for um, 20 to 25 million. I think that's overpriced, but in today's market, it's probably not fair. Other players that we've been looking at is Ryan Sessingon. Well, I think he's he's going to um, Tottenham anyway, uh, which I didn't mention when I spoke about Tottenham, but yeah, Ryan Sessing on the 17 uh, year old Fulham left back. He, he lives in Fulham, but well, he lives in London now. Uh, I, the idea is that he won't stay around He's filming his family, he would like him to stay around there. So, Tottenham seems like an ideal move. And to be honest, Tottenham's a, a great club to go to for, a, for a, young, a young player. So, you can see him going in there and him being used as the, uh, I suppose, being used to sort uh, of fill in for Danny Rose. Danny Rose injury problems kick up again. Uh, other players look, looking at Michael Kane from uh, Burnley, can't see it happening. I think that it'd be too much to step down from Virgil van Dijk. Uh, De Grey Leicester again I don't think the interest is as much as has been rumoured um, Ryan Bertrand I think with, from, from Southampton the, the whole Virgil van Dyke Southampton thing I think he's going to rule that that out um, other players we've spoken about Ricardo Rodriguez have spoken about but he's already joined AC Milan so I don't know where that's coming from uh, Naby Keita uh, the um uh, Bull Leipzig player a lot of players being sort of, people are comparing him to, to Kante and I've, I've seen him, he's, he's he's not really a Kante, he gets forward a lot more than that, although Kante gets forward a lot more than people would think, um, five, seven, five, eight, I think he is, but a powerful central midfield player, very much a, a box to box player in terms of how he operates, um, Leipzig don't need to sell, they don't need the money they'd like to build their, uh, their, their, sort of their team around, um, Nabi Keita. So I, I think they'd be reluctant to sell, to be honest. But money talks, if we threw 50 million, at him, he, he probably would end up being a Liverpool player. Uh, it's whether or not Liverpool wants to spend that amount of money. You know, the amount of money that's been spoken about Liverpool having is an upward of 150 million to spend. But well, if you're going to spend 60 million on Virgil van Dijk and then you're going to throw up 35 million at Mohamed Salah, then you're looking at another 50 million there on, on uh, Nabi Keita. You're already crossing the 140 million barrier there, which would be incredible for what, for what Liverpool have spent to say that, that we, we we gained money last season. Uh, the the Mo Salah uh, transfer seems seems inevitable now. It's just about working out the final details for how much Roma want. Uh, it's nobody else screaming for him, which is quite a surprise. Uh, you know, he's in the past two seasons at Roma, you know, 34 games in 2015, 2016, 14 goals, from a winger position, is fantastic, and last season, 31 games, 15 goals from a winger position, you know, those are really strong numbers, um, and he also does get assists, phenomenally quick, um, unfairly labelled as being a, a flop at Chelsea, he never really got a chance, to be honest, they were quite full of players, in that position at the time, still only 25 years old, in fact only just 25 years old as well, Um £35 million is the going rate for that player. Uh, nobody else is trying to buy him and Roma have a uh, financial fair player. Yes, remember that people, financial fair player? Seems like a long time ago, but they have uh, financial fair player regulations to stump up in that essentially they need to bring in £32 million, I think it is, before the end of this month. Uh, otherwise, they will uh, receive sanctions for breaching financial fair player. Uh, so, getting £35 million for more Salah, there, straight away, that that covers that. So I think that'll happen. Uh, Liverpool, in my eyes, they need four or five players in terms of three players to come in, actually to be possible starting 11 or top 14 players, uh, but also they need to strengthen uh, the squad depth. We've got European football next season, which we didn't have last season. The squad needs needs bulking up a little bit. I think they actually need really a centre-back. I think they need a left-back, at least one, uh, Andy Robertson from Hull he's been talked about I'd be perfectly happy with that I think he's a, he's a great little player uh, I don't think it's, I don't think right or left back are a position you need to spend £40 million on. I think you'd be fine spending £40 million on somebody like Andy Robertson and seeing how he goes you know there's there there's not a plethora of right and left backs out there uh, Man City are about to spend £40 million for Kyle Walker as a right back who's a fantastic right back um, but is, is is right back worth £40 a season I don't know. I don't don't see it. Of course, there is the other rumour that Man City are actually also about to sign uh, Dan Alves as a right-back, so maybe that puts the the caboch on the Kyle Walker deal, so will he go Will he stay at Tottenham? This is all the interesting thing uh, for going, or will... Is he bringing in uh, Dan Alves to play alongside Kyle Walker? And You'll see Alves playing in the European games and the Cup games, and you'll see Kyle Walker playing the league games there. Who knows? Um, but I also do think Liverpool need, need to bring in centre-field and they need to bring at least two forwards in. So, Marm Salah would be one. And it all depends on what happens with Daniel Sturridge. But I could see them bringing in a, a natural striker. Tamar Werner from um, RB Leipzig has been r- rumoured. I just I can't see Tamil Werner going anywhere. But um, one of the big German clubs, to be honest, I think he'll stay around there. And plus Leipzig, the game, they don't have to sell. Uh, so it could be an interesting season for Liverpool it'll be amazing to see if they spend any of that 150 million that has been rumoured but it's the going rate for what you've got to spend nowadays so we'll move on to Arsenal next Arsenal strange season for the last season in the sense that they they lost the coveted Champions League players I think that had a big effect on uh, on Arsenal you know he, he hasn't left he was never going to leave I don't think he was always going to stay I don't think any. To, Arsenal will leave when he wants to leave, not when fan pressure causes him to leave, or even the argument to state that he should leave. Um, it, it, it's going to be a toxic environment no matter what happens at Arsenal next season. Because if they every time they lose, the bang around will be out in full force. Um, do they have an argument to say a change? Yeah. Um, the problem is, it's a it's a, what do you wish for? You know, there isn't there isn't a um, a natural. Uh, replacement for Wenger out there I don't think uh, you know people are saying oh they should bring in someone like Diego Simone well Arsenal fans you, have you watched Athletic Madrid play you, you really wouldn't like it uh, Thomas Tuchel has been spoken about but he's left um Borussia Dortmund under a little bit of a cloud um, from there so it's Arsenal need to really have an incredible season next season to kind of to stop the rot a little bit uh, their pursuit of killing Mbappe is. It is trying for that. Um with Mbappe it does seem a little bit like his agents are fluttering their eyelashes at uh, the Premier League clubs to kind of awaken a Real Madrid bid. To be honest, that, that is what it seems like is gonna happen. Uh, Madrid won't make a bid until they've sold at least uh James Rodriguez or somebody like that um, to actually raise some funds uh, so they can actually go for someone like you Kylian know, Mbappe, who's gonna cost, you know, near a hundred million, let's say a hundred million for argument's sake. Uh, Arsenal will probably end up uh, not getting Kylian Mbappe at the point of getting Alexander Lacazette I mean that's, it's, there's no no shame in that Lacazette's had a fantastic couple of years playing for Lyon uh, and he's you know the Arsenal looked to get him last season but last season it, it's Lyon wanted 35 near to 40 million um, Arsenal weren't prepared to pay it instead um, they went out and and bought uh, Lucas Perez for twenty two million when they should have just got like I said. Uh, he's been fantastic the past couple of years. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> oh sorry I got a sneezing fit I hair fever. Um so apologies for that. He's had a fantastic couple of years um twenty seven goals in 2014, 2015 in the league, uh, 21 2015, 2016 and 28 last season. Right, just 30 games. Um Fantastic numbers already um, from from a player, uh, quick, powerful, everything you'd need to be a proper um, successful uh, Premier League striker. Physicality, pace, great finishing, thunderous shots. Twenty-six years old. He needs he needs that big move now. He needs to move to to one of the the European elite clubs, certainly. And Arsenal would be a great fit for him. Also, Liverpool have looked at him as have Manchester United. So it is between that. Personally, I think I could see him going to to Arsenal. It, it, it fits um, for that. Uh, they're also looking at Adit Turan, the uh, Turkish player at Barcelona. Uh, Liverpool have often linked to him, and uh, he's often said if he's he's, he's wanting to play for Liverpool, uh, never quite happened. Uh, went to Barcelona, when actually they, they put a bunch of players, so we actually had six months out of the game, um, but is service requirements there uh, would be one of those like the Lucas Podolski signing when they signed Podolski Arsenal one of those kind of under the radar signs it's actually a really solid signing um, they're still looking at Riyad Mahrez I to be honest wouldn't touch Riyad Mahrez um, I think he's a very good player who doesn't have the application to be a great player yeah uh, <laughs> With Arsenal, it's more about the, the outs, it's more about keeping players and keeping players on board. You know, they lost that Champions League players, which was the thing they always kind of had for, or well, always in the Champions League, I always get to play in the Champions League. Um, the almost near socialist nature of, of Arsene Wenger's approach, whereby you know, you'll have a player like Kieran Gibbs might be on £60,000 a week, um, and then you'll have Alexis Sanchez on one hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week. You know they don't want that bigger disparity between the players, which is admirable, but just not feasible nowadays. Um, so Alexis Sanchez wants 250000 pounds two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand pound a week, and Arsenal don't seem like they've been willing to pay it. Uh, if they're going to pay it now, it's going to be more desperation to keep players like Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil, who will be looking at it and saying, "Well, we're both twenty eight years old. You know, we need to move on to um, to, to sort of." Not further their careers, but add to that trophy haul. Um, you've also got both Man City and Barcelona uh, uh, hovering around Hector bellarine uh, Personally, I've never seen him in Hector Bellerin. I think he's, with the exception of Pace, I don't think there's an awful lot of sense there. But um, playing people who watch after week in, week out, say he's a fantastic right-back, so I'll, I'll, I'll trust him a little bit more uh, than my limited knowledge of it and my knowledge kind of tainted by the fact that I, I find him an unpleasant player to, to to watch for some reason. I just don't, don't get all of it is what I'll say. Um, Arsenal need a little bit of an overhaul um, but Wenger doesn't seem like the man who's going to give him that overhaul. That need, They need an injection of four or five players and Wenger will only ever bring in two or three. Uh, it's I think it's going to be a tough season again next season for Arsenal. What they need to do is not um have what happened to Liverpool when they dropped out of the Champions League a few years ago, where it just became the norm, really. You know, Liverpool, Liverpool from the start of Champions League club anymore? You know. What Liverpool have done since we got back in the Champions League is we profess to sort of be one of the European elite, which they are one of the European elite, it's just they've not had the success of the European leagues, and that's where we need to get to. What Arsenal need to do is not fall out of that bracket and um, um, have what happened to Liverpool but it does seem like it's going to be difficult and the uber that used to be around Arsenal for attracting and uh, the chance to, to go to play for Arsenal just isn't there anymore because players want to go and play for other managers now it's as simple as that you know managers like Conte um um, Pochettino, Klopp these are the managers that now have the, the draw and the, the, the aura to go and play for in the Premier League and you know managers like uh, for instance Wenger and to a, to an extent really Mourinho because of his, his, his prickly nature that has developed over the years it, it's it starting to be that that, that sheen is starting to come off a little bit um, be it right or wrong I think it's going to be a tough season for Arsenal they're not going to get rid of Ben halfway through a season, but sign a two-year contract. Yeah. I, I can't see that two years lasting out. I think that it, he'll probably he'll probably walk at some point by can even halfway through a season. It could be a tough season for Arsenal fans, unfortunately. Uh, so the final club we're going to chat about before I'm going to answer some of your questions is Manchester United. So Manchester in the post-Alex Ferguson era. Um, they love love to spend some money. Um they almost seem determined to kind of to to, to show how to, to flex their muscle and show how much money they've got and how much of a financial powerhouse they are, which they are. It's fine, you know, there's no problem with that. But it does seem like for instance last season they were be of a Paw Pog when nobody else was bidding for him and they were just determined to they were determined to spend a world record fee to kind of go look, yeah, we're not in the Champions League anymore, but look, we're still Manchester United. Um, the sign of Paul Pogba, you can't say, it was a, a roaring success, but it was by certainly no means was it anywhere near a disaster that some people would claim that it has been. He had a an alright season, a solid enough season um, in terms of for his, his output. Really, should be better for a an eighty-five million, ninety million pound player, but. The argument there is: Pop Upwood never was an eighty-five to ninety million pound player. That's just how much Manchester United paid for him and how much you have ever sold him for. Um, you know his his goal record was never that much. He's never. I think you know, his final two seasons at, um, at at Juventus. You know, in all competitions, I think he, he knocked out ten goals each season. Eight goals in the league, I think. He knocked out nine last season. So, that he's, he's not a midfield general. He is a, he's not quite a luxury player, but he, he, he verges on that. He's got fantastic ability and fantastic skill and fantastic talent. Um, and he has very good marketing. Uh, there's no way of getting around that. Um, he's also a, a character of the game. I and mean, You know, you, you pay for character of the game. Um, you know, United's best sign last season was uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He had a fantastic season. Uh, last season, United Uh not going to be there next season uh, and a knee injury uh, rules him out until probably the new year so because of that United you know, have chosen not to extend his contract it would seem for the time being, uh, looks like he'll be uh, US bound but he came and he, he really did add that touch of character to the, the Premier League, you know, 46 games, United, and 28 goals, is a phenomenal output um, and it, it was great to have him in the, in the league for, for a season because he is a character. Um, United have already signed players so far, Victor um, Lindelof has, has joined you know, central defender from Benfica. The one thing you get and you know you're going to get um, with uh, with Mourinho is it, he buys players from a certain agency, we'll say, Um he has his his friends, um and he has business interests with Jorge Mendes and so often players come from well almost always, players that he brings in come from Jorge Mendes, um pool of players. Uh, and Lindelof is no different. Uh I think he's he's a very good player actually. I think he'll he'll fit quite nicely into uh China Navy players often do, fit quite nicely into uh, the Premier League. Uh, I, th- I thought they'd have a problem there so another strong centre-back Brink brought in um, also looking they've with a lot of players to be honest Roman Lukaku looking at that I think he's going to go to Chelsea but if United want to go to Chelsea then they can uh, Griezmann's essentially turned them down and the United said that they were they were interested called well no they just, like they just didn't want to send him to you because they can't buy anyone to replace him um, I think if Bale wants to leave Real Madrid then then that might be the club that will buy him because it's the only club that can afford to, to spend that kind of money on him. Um, will they go back in for an elder? I just can't see United wanting to spend whatever it costs, 80 to £120 million, somewhere in between that, to bring in a 32-year-old player. Um, outs, there's not going to be, I don't think that many outs as such, there's not that many players to kind of get rid of, really, at United. There's... The squad's been sort of torn down over recent years anyway. Um, as done, you know, Wayne Rooney will go, you know, there's this it's just where will he go is the is the thing. And you've got players like Yan you, you can't see them coming back, Ashley Young will probably leave this season or should leave this season. Um, but you can't see anybody uh been able to take away the the big players. You can't see anyone taking Rojo or Armata away unless United actually want to sell the one they might lose, they don't want to lose is uh, David De Gea but I think in return if that does happen they'll probably get Morata or a favorable deal on Rafael Varane Uh, Morata an old school striker in the sense that he's a bit of a poacher Uh, he gets a lot of his goals in the the box and again a similar sort of thing to someone like Harry Kane not explosively quick not explosively powerful just a good all round player uh, whether or not he'll settle in the Premier League I don't know at the time we'll, we'll tell You know, will he be a will he settle in like a player like for instance when Ruben Estorio came in you know, he was a similar didn't have blistering pace didn't have blistering power but he had an ability to put the ball in the net which is what players need and if they can do that they're fine um, Michael Cairn you could see him possibly going back to United as a backup striker, a backup defender, signed for twenty million, etc. Perisic from Inter Milan, uh, they're very much interested in him. Very quick, very nimble, uh, aggressive player. He'd be a good signing for for any club, I think. Uh, in the Premier League, he'd fit in perfectly well there. Andres Rodriguez still been linked to United. It's who wants to spend that sixty million, uh, really. To be honest, it's it's a risk, by I think Andres Rodriguez um, for any club to bring him in. So again, United will spend big, they'll spend a lot of money. It's just where they'll spend it, yeah, uh, could be the quite interesting thing. Um, there's only a small group of players out there, um, that United want to go for, and there'll be a lot of other clubs going for them. It's it's whether or not United want to flex that much financial might, uh, which they, they, they will do. Uh, Mourinho's keeping quite quiet, he said almost that he's staying out of transfer. Uh, speculation uh and transfer negotiations just leaving it up to the other to everyone else to go I very much doubt that means too much of control for you to, to, to do that. Um, but it could be it could be quite interesting. Um, so yeah that's the top six. Um I'm, it's going to be an interesting season in terms of who brings in whom, uh, who goes where. You've got a domino effect, I think, usually. So you usually have a few transfers that will actually kick a whole thing off and then you'll have no signings for three, four weeks and all of a sudden in a week you'll have five or six. What often happens is the big clubs want to get theirs in and done and dusted before... Uh, August at the very latest to try and get them in and get them through pre-season um so might have been a bit rambling there but it was my first attempt at a uh, a solo podcast so I hope I haven't bored you too much I do have a couple of questions that I'm gonna go through and answer before I bid you adieu so first one uh the ginger prince tgp 73 if Liverpool could afford Ronaldo would you welcome him to Anfield but what I'll say there is we kind of on um simple fact is that um the majority of Premier League clubs can afford him. Uh, the well, majority of top six clubs can afford him because there's a lot of money in the Premier League. It's, it's an insane amount of money. Uh, Liverpool didn't spend anything last season. Um, so we have last season's money, this season's money, plus whatever. The fact is that he's going to cost you somewhere between 80 and 20, £120 million. Where it falls in that, you don't know. Um You'd be close to 120 million because he's Ronaldo and the sheer amount of ability he's got. But you'd also be closer to 80 million because of the fact that he's 32 years old. You won't even get two, three years out of him. It's an awful lot of money to spend for two to three years, especially with no resale value that you've got there. Would I welcome him at the club? Um, now, let's say, for instance, if we could get him for 45, 50 million, would I welcome him at the club? Absolutely, yes. He's a fantastically gifted footballer. Um, would I have welcomed him at the club? Three years ago for a world record fee probably not to be honest no he's um, he's cooled over the years um, mm. in a sense that his ego has kind of become fun in a similar way to what happened with, with Zlatan um, and he can almost put up fun at himself and the one thing you can never criticise Ronaldo for is his sheer ability is incredible um, in the debate between Messi versus Ronaldo I do always fall on, on Messi's side I think Messi is the most naturally gifted footballer that's, that's ever existed. Um, I, and don't be me wrong, Messi does work incredibly hard for it. But Ronaldo took a very high ceiling of natural ability and then crafted himself into being one of the greatest footballers of all time. And I think that that sometimes goes underappreciated quite how much that guy has has worked to become the player he is. Um, fuck it, yeah, I'd take him happily. Uh, and it's not my money, so if, if they did want to spend 130 million, you, know, you know, let's face it. Ronaldo would probably be the top-scoring player in the Premier League next season, no matter which club he was at. It just doesn't mean that that club would finish, would win the title or finish high up in the league. It's just because he will just get the ball, run or shoot. That's it. With Ronaldo, you get an element of... He's the main man. I don't think he's not a team player. I don't think he's trying to win things for Ronaldo. I, don't, I, don't, I never agreed with that. It's been low there. Um, but I think... He wants to win things for the team rather than be part of the team that's winning things, if that makes any sense. Uh, John at uh, John Zola, uh, which team will be a surprise package next season? Uh, do Everton have title ambitions? Um, no, I think Everton don't have title ambitions. Um, again, not a criticism of my Blue Nose friends, but uh, I think that they have ambitions of challenging up the top four. and I think that makes perfect sense for Everton. Yeah. Um, you know, you're talking about a club that's not a, a title push in near thirty years. Um so it'd be unwise for them to push for the title. I don't think you know, they'll do it. Not to say that they won't do it. You know, if they're in and around in December, then that nine game period that you've got um from the middle of December to the start of, of January, where you have nine league games, you know, a bit virtually, you know, a quarter of a season in just a couple of weeks, if they're in and around it there and they can come out of that relatively unscathed. Then, while they're not pushed for title, they've actually got a really difficult start to the season. in Everton. You know, I think they've got uh, home and away in their first six games. They've got Manchester City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs. I think, and maybe United as well. In that, so it's gonna be a tough, a tough start to the season. If they come out of that unscathed, um, they're certainly making the right noises. Uh, they they need to replace uh, Lukaku. I think it's inevitable; he's going. Um, but It'll all depend on where their goals will come from because a, a, a large bulk of their goals came from the car so they need to get that position right, they need to get that signing right. Um, Pitford's he was a very good goalkeeper last season. Um, whether or not you know it's easy to have a high, a high save success rate when you're facing that many shots, is what I'll say. Um, class, I a very good player that bringing that in, he's a great signing. Um, my surprise. For next season is, I think Newcastle will have a very strong season. Um, I also think Huddersfield. My surprise next season would be, I think only, only Brighton out of the promoted clubs will stay up. I think, um, I think Huddersfield and Newcastle will, will stay up quite strong. Uh, I think. Through Swansea having a, a, a strong season next season, you know, not challenging for titles or anything like that, but but solidifying a place there. Uh, Crystal Palace, they could do things, you know, bring in Marcus uh, like Silver, a, 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 an interesting appointment there. Um, so you know, we'll see. But I would, I would say Palace. I could see Palace being um, the surprise package of next season. Um, and then finally I think I do actually have a question from Master Loring Uh, but he's put it on Uh, Ian Loring, who is going down next year Um, Brighton will go down next year, Uh, Watford will go down next year and I also think that the, thing is, the, the teams are getting better I think, but I think Brighton Watford, I think Swansea will be okay, I think Newcastle and Huddersfield will be okay I could see I could see West Brom struggling, I think Bournemouth might struggle a little bit, I think the They've got to get their purchases right, uh, otherwise the shine's going to kind of come off that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go for Brighton, Watford, and I think West Brom. I think West Brom will struggle next season. Uh, despite the fact they had a good season. Or actually, no, I'm changing that. Stoke, I need Stoke to go down. I just I think that their their squad's got too old. Simple as that. Uh, it's too old and the younger players are too lazy um, so yeah Brighton will finish bottom Watford will finish second bottom and Stoke will go down on the last weekend of the season um, so yeah that was the first episode of Damn You Football uh, any feedback would be nice Apologies if I rambled on and the living hell out of you um, there'll be more to talk about as the season goes on uh, or as the season draws closer uh, but I thank you very much for listening. Um, check out the film podcast Dude and the monkey I'm um, doodles at doforce or check out at uh, your loring at uh, doodamonkey at dude and the monkey email us at doodamonkey at gmail uh, anything else pff, I'll just speak to you next time. Thank you. Bye.